0: Please remain standing as you're able. In Jesus' day, before they would have heard God's word, they would have committed themselves first to organize their life around that word with the reciting of something known as the Shema. Shema is a word in Hebrew that means not just listen, but hear, do something about this. So uh, one of the things that's become traditional for us is to recite a part of the Shema before we hear God's word. So if you'll follow after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai, Adonai. and together, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've been talking about the seven signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John during Lent, and the last one is in John 11. The setting is this, Jesus' good friend Lazarus is in Judea, Jesus is in Galilee, he hears that Lazarus is sick, uh, very sick, but he waits a couple days and by the time he makes the journey all the way to Judea, uh, Lazarus is dead and Martha, uh, the sister of Lazarus, one of two sisters, Mary being the other one, brings him this news and she says to him in chapter 11 verse 21, Lord, if you been, had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And uh, Jesus uh, said, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, I am life, and those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who was to come back into the world. After this, she turned aside and went to Mary, and she said to Mary, the teacher is here, and he is asking for you. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. He was still at the place where Martha met him. When Martha got this word, she got up quickly and went out. Those who were with um, Mary comforting her uh, got up and followed her, supposing that she had gone to the tomb to mourn. When Mary saw Jesus, she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping and saw those who were with her weeping and he was deeply moved and troubled and he said, where have you laid him? Come and see, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how much he must have loved him. But others said he opened the eyes of the blind. Couldn't he have prevented him from dying? And Jesus uh, came to the tomb, which was A cave with a stone rolled in front of it. And Jesus uh, said, roll away, take away the stone from the tomb. But Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, it's been four days. He's been in there. There will be a bad odor. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believe you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of those who are standing here that they may know that you sent me. And then he said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out with linen wrapped around his hands and his feet and a cloth over his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Some of you know that I try to make an effort each week to memorize the scriptures that I'm going to use on Sunday morning. And I just want you to know it's really not that hard to memorize scripture. And to show you that, we're going to do it this morning. I'm going to teach you an entire verse of scripture. And if you pay attention to me, I know that you can memorize it. All right, so are you ready? It's not the 8 o'clock service. I know you can do it. Okay, here it is, an entire verse of Scripture. Jesus wept. All right, you got that? Perfect. You're on your way. You know, if you were going to memorize any verse of Bible, this would be a good one. Because in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're only told that Jesus wept two times. Once in the Gospel of Luke, when he was uh, coming into Jerusalem and he knew that one day they would rebel against the Romans and would be squashed, and he cried about that. And then this time he cries at the death of Lazarus. So since he only does it two times, scholars debate about why is Jesus crying here since we rarely see him cry at all. And there are a number of theories. I, I thought I'd rattle a few off for you, see if you liked any of them. The first one is this that he's crying because he's sad that Lazarus is dead. And and I suppose that's possible, except in a part of the scripture I didn't say for you, Jesus had said, our friend Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Some people say he's crying because Mary and Martha are crying and they're sad and and he hates to see them sad. And and I'm sure there's truth in that because they're all such close friends. Some say that Jesus um, cries because he's in the presence of death. And as Debbie told the children, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it in abundance. And so when you're in the midst of death and you are life itself, how sad it must be that death is even hanging around at all. So perhaps that makes him weep. Others say he weeps because he knows that the minute he gets Lazarus out of that tomb, he's crossed the Rubicon and the Jews will want to kill him because now people will be following after him in droves. So some people say he cries because he knows soon he's going to have to leave Mary and Martha and Lazarus because the moment he lets him out of that tomb, he's going to have to go into his own tomb. And that could be. Some say Jesus weeps because Mary and Martha at some level and all the mourners just don't get it. They don't understand that death is not the final word. It's not the last verdict on our life. And they don't get it. and, And so they weep deeply when this happens. And that could be. Truth of the matter is this, I don't know which of those five things it is, and maybe it's all of them, but here's what we know for sure. Jesus cries because uh, at deep levels, Jesus cares, cares about people and the way they live, cares about his friends, Mary and Martha, cares about us. They did a recent study um, a couple of years ago. It said that uh, people more easily believe in the existence of God than believe that the God who exists cares about them personally. Well, here we have a story that tells us that Jesus cares personally about us. We know he cries because he cares. And we know this about him. He He weeps, but he doesn't wail like the mourners, Mary and Martha. It's real interesting. Apparently, in the original language, there are two words for crying here. And the one for Mary and Martha and the mourners who are hanging around with them, it's, it's like a, it's, they're crying out like they're beating uh, their breasts, they're, they're moaning and groaning at how terrible this is that Lazarus has died. And the word for crying that's used for Jesus is just a, a sad, just a sad, soft cry. And so one of the things that's possible is that it, a way to describe Mary and Martha is that they cry as people who have not a whole lot of hope. They cry as people who think this person has died and it's pretty much the end of their relationship. And Jesus, however, cries as one who knows there's more to the story. Mary and Martha and the mourners cry a cry of despair. Jesus cries the cry of a temporary setback. Paul put it this way to the Thessalonians about 20 years after this event. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed about those who die because I don't want you to grieve as people who do not have hope. Paul knew there was more to the story, and Jesus knew there was more to the story, that death would not be the last word. And so while they wail, he weeps quietly. Jesus knows that there is so much more to our existence than this life, something they don't yet know. You've probably heard the story about two twins. Uh, their, their mother's been carrying them for a, a number of months, and they're speculating about what it's like on the outside, And so one twin says to the other, I suspect that life out there is pretty much the same as it is in here. And so they determine that maybe they don't really want to be born. And in that story is a reflection of, I think, the way we are about the life to come. We really can know very little about it. So one of the things that happens is we try desperately to hold on to this life because it's simply all we know. And Jesus knows that there is a whole new adventure that is waiting for us to be birthed into. And I think at some level he weeps because we try so hard to hold on to this existence when he knows that there is so much more for us. That makes him cry. But there's more to the story. If if that's the whole story, then why didn't Jesus go to Lazarus' tomb and send him straight up to heaven? If earth is such a rotten deal... And so minimally important compared to life in eternity, why did Jesus bother to bring Lazarus back? Because here's what happened. He goes to the tomb. Lazarus has been in there four days. And here's how it works in in Jesus' world. When, when, When they believe that you are dead, they put you in a tomb. But just to make sure, for three days in a row, they go and they call your name at the tomb to see if you will come out. Because if you're still alive, hopefully, you'll come out. And that's why Jesus is in the tomb three days because after three days, you're con- you're considered legally dead in Jesus' world. And so for three days, nothing happened. Lazarus didn't come out. So on the fourth day, they roll the stone in, uh, in the entrance and say, well, he's dead, it's done. And Jesus comes, and in a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And after the stone has been removed, Lazarus comes out. Now my question is this. If the life on earth is so insignificant that we lead compared to heaven, why does Lazarus have to hang around here any longer? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that most of our existence is on the other side. Most of our existence is in eternity but that Jesus knows that our existence here on earth is also very important to him as well. And he believes that the resurrection doesn't only have to do with the life to come, but that the resurrection makes a difference in our life even here today. If not, why would he have bothered to have Lazarus live again on this earth in this existence? Jesus is saying that resurrection is not just for some future life. But resurrection makes a difference in our life today. Because imagine, we're told by the Bible that once Lazarus rose from the dead, the Jews wanted to kill him because he's a constant reminder of the power of Jesus. But can you imagine what his response to them probably was? (laughs) Go ahead, I've been there. Been there, done that. Try it. There is a freedom, I suspect, and a power in his life because of the resurrection that wasn't there before. And my question for all of us is, do we experience that freedom and power in our life? Are we imprisoned by fears and guilt and brokenness? Or do we live fearlessly and hopefully in our life? Which is it? Does the resurrection make any difference for us today? I read about a town that had, kind of like our town, had a big uh, passion uh, display on Good Friday. And so uh, they, this town, uh, everybody turned out for it. And the guy that's playing Jesus is, is kind of a big guy, kind of a gruff guy, a surprising choice for Jesus, you know, the way we usually picture Jesus. But he's doing it, and he's dragging his cross through the town, and people are yelling at him. And one guy's particularly into it, and he gets into the face of the guy playing Jesus and spits right on his face. Jesus stops carrying the cross, turns around, looks at him, and points and says, I'll be back for you after the resurrection. <laughs> there's a there's a sense in which I don't think Jesus would do that. But what do our lives look like after the resurrection? Are they any different? Are they any different? Are we still held down by the same fears, the same guilt, the same worries, the same addictions? even after Jesus has died and risen again for us, there ought to be a power. So here's what I'm thinking. What happens for Lazarus is this. In order for him to come out, two things have to happen. One is somebody's got to move the stone away and they do. And the second thing is when he gets out, Jesus said, you can take those bandages off him. You know, they bandage you. You've seen mummies before. They do it kind of like that. They wrap linen all around them and then they put a cloth uh, that's pressed over the face. And, and while I was watching basketball on TV this week, um, Pastor Donna was watching on the History Channel a show on the, the Shroud of Turin. You've heard of the Shroud of Turin. Well, the reason the Shroud of Turin is, is uh, allegedly significant is that would be the cloth that would be pressed over the face of Jesus. But for, for people, uh, for Lazarus and his resurrection, somebody's got to help him. They've got to take off all the bandages. They've got to pull the cloth off his face. But the marvelous thing in the 20th chapter of John is for Jesus, none of that's needed. Nobody needs to roll away the stone. Nobody needs to unbind him. He is already free. But for the rest of us, to live freely in this life, we need a little help. So here's what I'm thinking. If I'm still struggling with fear, if I'm still struggling with guilt, if I'm still struggling with doubt, if I'm still struggling with worry, then one of two things are possible. Number one is I really have not applied the resurrection of Jesus to my life. I really do not know that life can be different than it is today. Or number two, my community, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ have left the bandages on me. They've left the stone in front of the tomb. They have not helped me find the freedom that God wants for me. I think part of the message of Lazarus is an Easter message and it talks about life in eternity. But part of the message about Lazarus talks about life today and tomorrow. How are you going to live? Are you going to live free? Are you going to live with love? Are you going to live with power? And the answer is if you let Jesus into your life and if somebody helps you. I think on this Easter Sunday, God is inviting us to think of people we know who are still wrapped up. They know about God. They know about Jesus. They may even love God, but they're still having the same struggles. And maybe God is inviting you and inviting me this Easter to go and try to move their stone. To go and try to unwrap them so they can have the life that he died and rose for them to have. And I think when I resist doing that and helping another person, it just makes him cry all over again.